Hey there, welcome to Livewire. I'm Luke Burbank. We have a very full and very fun show for you this week. First up, it's Sam Sanders, the creator and one-time host of NPR's It's Been a Minute, which of course masterfully blended politics and pop culture. Turns out that's kind of Sam's whole brand, and now he's doing it over in the podcast space, including his show Vibe Check that he currently co-hosts with Saeed Jones and Zach Stafford. Uh, we are going to talk to Sam about an interview that I did back in like 2007 that was so bad, Sam now teaches it to his journalism students. Then Reggie Watts is going to stop by for some highly improvised, highly hilarious stand-up comedy and poetry. And we're going to get some music from Northwest indie music sensation Sway Wild. This is going to be so good. I'm not even kidding. Stick around. It all starts right after this. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham. And this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of LiveWire is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, and then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hey, Elena. Hey, Luke. How's it going? It is going really well this week. I am excited to play this round of station location identification examination with you. Are you excited? Yes. So excited. I think part of my excitement is that I already have the answer. So this is very easy for me. This is the easiest part of the show for me. This is where I quiz Elena about a place somewhere in the country where Livewire is on the radio. She's got to guess the place that I am talking about. Historically, this town was known as the Sweet Pea Capital of the Nation. At one time, it was responsible for exporting 75% of the nation's sweet peas. Oh, sweet peas. That's, that's, that sounds very Southern. It does, and yet it's not. Actually, it's a little more Northwest. Uh, this town serves as a gateway to Yellowstone National Park and the Gallatin National Forest. Well, there are several gateways. Uh, we came in on the Montana side at the top. You're in the right state. Far from Bozeman, but probably a state. Oh, no, no, Bozeman, Bozeman. That's right. <laughs> Bozeman. Where's my bell? Ding, ding, ding. Bozeman, Montana, where we're on the radio on KMBCFM, Yellowstone Public Radio. I feel more outdoorsy already just saying that, Yellowstone Public Radio. So I'm feeling more like Kevin Costner. Yes, that is a hit show, let me tell you. Just ask any of your grandparents. We call it Cowboy Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you ready to get to the show? Let's do it. Take it away, Cowboy. From PRX, it's... Live 
This Week podcaster and pop culture connoisseur, Sam Sanders. I cannot name an unhappy woman rapper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cardi B is having a great time. <laughs> she sure is. Megan Thee Stallion got shot in the foot. She's still having a great time. <laughs> yeah. And comedian Reggie Watts. And Gen Z is like so fascinated with Michael Landon, which I don't really, I don't get it. But it's all like Michael Landon all day long. With music from Sway Wild and our fabulous house band. I'm your announcer, Elena Passarello, and now the host of LifeWire, Luke Burbank. Hey, thank you so much, Elena Passarello. Thanks to everyone tuning in from all over the country, including in Montana on KMBCFM, Yellowstone Public Radio. We have such a fun show in store for you this week. All kinds of surprises popping up, which I'll explain in a moment. And we did ask our LiveWire listeners a question like we always do. Uh, We asked, what has been your favorite piece of pop culture from the past year? We're going to talk pop culture with Sam Sanders. So we'll read those listener responses coming up in a moment. First, though, we got to do the best news we heard all week. This is our little moment to reflect upon the fact that there is some good news happening out there in the world. Elena, what is the best news you heard all week? Okay, I think we've started a trend, Burbank, kind of unintentionally, but a couple best newses ago, I told the story of that dog named Brett Michaels that got adopted by Poison's Brett Michaels, and then you told a story about a pig named Kevin Bacon that got found via a search effort that also included human Kevin Bacon. So I'm going to just like perform an American trilogy of sorts because there is a three-year-old pit bull terrier who until recently was at the Chicago Anti-Cruelty Society named Elvis. Last month, the Chicago Anti-Cruelty Society had a fall in love. It should have been a can't help fallen in love adoption event where they waived their application fee in order to sort of clear the cages of the shelter. And they adopted 39 cats and 22 dogs to good homes. And there was only one dog left at the end of the event. And it was Elvis. They posted about it on social media. And there was this couple, Lauren Agron and his partner, Drew. And they've been thinking about getting a dog forever. And they saw the post. And honestly, if you saw a picture of this dog, you would adopt it even if you didn't have, like, even if you lived on, like, a motor scooter or something. You would, <laughs> you would totally. He has a little, he's a kind of white and gray with this little eye patch and the sweetest face. So they saw him. They ran and adopted him because guess what else? Have you ever heard of this kind of famous 1950s-style diner in Chicago called Ed Debevic's? Yeah, Ed Debevic's. The shtick is that the servers are rude to you. (laughs) And apparently they're all in costume, right? And the guy, Lauren, who adopted Elvis, he manages that place. But he used to be a server, and he would perform dressed as a character named Elvis Parsley, an Elvis impersonator, <laughs> has adopted the world's cutest pit bull, whose name also happens to be Elvis Presley. Lauren says he's a misfit, and Drew and I consider ourselves the kings of misfits. He is a cuddly hunk of burning love. He's a loving teddy bear, and his friends and neighbors are all begging to visit the dog and help take care of him. <laughs> My best news that I saw this week also involves animals, but it involves now the recognized world champions of napping, and that would be penguins. 
as reported in the New York Times recently. In fact, specifically chin strap penguins that were being studied by the Korea Polar Research Institute. They were trying to figure out, like, what happens when penguins are in the water versus when penguins are nesting with their young and doing things like when are these birds getting some sleep? So they hooked some of these chin strap penguins up to electrodes, which I feel like immediately might futz with the data. Like, I don't know. I'm not sleeping great if you hook those electrodes up to me, but whatever. This is what we got to do. To their chin straps. Right. So, like, they found that when these penguins were in the water, they didn't sleep at all, which kind of makes sense. But then when they would get back home and they would be, like, with their young and they'd be hanging out, the speed of their brains would slow down in a way that would indicate they were sleeping up to 600 times an hour. They were sometimes taking 600 micro naps in an hour. And it counts for rest. Like, they get good rest from that. Well, this is the thing that they're trying to figure out, right? Because the thought with humans is for us to get, you know, rest that's useful. It needs to go on for a certain amount of time. There turns out a lot of animals, including penguins, that just do these, like, micro naps all day. Probably because they're trying to, you know, not get eaten by some bird of prey swooping down on them. But there's, there's an emerging body of science that says these very, very short, like, one to two second naps might be sufficient. This explains so much, Elena, about my particular family structure, which is my daughter Adelaide and I. I'm going to show you something. Our whole thing is penguins. So whenever one of us sees like a little dad penguin and baby penguin out in like an antique store, we buy it. And then I get the big one and she gets the little one. Aww. We are also world-class nappers. There was also something else in this article that really blew my mind. One researcher at the University of Oxford was really asking the question, are we as animals designed to be awake or designed to be asleep? Like we think of ourselves as awake things that go to sleep sometimes. And this one guy was saying, maybe we're asleep things. Maybe our brains are set to being asleep and we have to wake up to get food and do all these other things so that we can then go back to sleep. He said, you're basically spending your life asleep and you just wake up when it's needed. He's questioning the whole premise of sleep in both penguins and humans. Wow. Uh, my husband is definitely someone who lives to sleep, so he might want, want to contact him for the study. <laughs> I'll send him a small penguin, a David-sized penguin. All right. Penguins making me feel more seen in the world. That's the best news I heard this week. All right, let's welcome our first guest on over to this week's Livewire. He's a podcaster, radio personality, and pop culture connoisseur. He was the founder and former host of NPR's It's Been a Minute radio show. And these days, he hosts the very delightful and very delightfully thought-provoking podcast called Vibe Check, which he hosts with Saeed Jones and Zach Stafford. Take a listen to this. It's Sam Sanders, who joined us on stage at Town Hall in Seattle. Sam, welcome to the program. We, we've had you on the show once before, but it was when we were still doing a lot of stuff remotely. Yeah, I was in my garage. Um, <laughs> I love Vibe Check so much. Thank you. And I'm, it's like for... Thank you. For people who haven't maybe heard the show yet, can you kind of describe how it unfolds, what y'all do on the show? Yeah. Um, the nut graph is that Vibe Check, the podcast, is our group chat. The three of us just come to life. <laughs> so the chats that we would have, texting to each other, we were like, let's make it a show. Um, the longer version of the story is that 
the three of us had been circling the others for years, professionally, et cetera. And Saeed and Zach became friends first. I met Saeed and Zach through work stuff at NPR. And then I kind of said, y'all are my friends now, I'm sorry. Uh (laughs) This is it. And then I made them get into this group chat with me that we called uh, the Witches of Macbeth. (laughs) And then one day during deep pandemic, I finished an an interview for It's Been a Minute. And I finished it, and I was in a funky mood the whole day, not because of the interview, but I was in a funky mood the whole day, and I said, well, Sam, what would make you happy? What do you want to do right now? And I was like, I want to talk to my friends. And I want to talk to them all the time. So we did. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) On the subject of of the podcast world and how these shows come together, I'm just curious, sort of your thoughts on the on the state of podcasting. It feels like it's in a very weird place considering it was supposed to be the future of how all communication happened. If I had to offer a one sentence mission statement for survival in the podcasting industry right now, it would be being good is not enough. Hmm. A lot of the shows that we like are really good. Most of them don't make any money. Right. <laughs> they don't. Yeah. I'm looking at myself too here, okay? <laughs> but that doesn't mean you don't keep trying to make good stuff. Hmm. And it's a lesson in separating your art from your worth, from your job. So that's a good thing to do. But I think that like until the money is not funny, this is just the way it's going to be and it's going to keep happening. So like the biggest reason for this, this drastic drop off in podcast listening is advertising. Um, some advertisers have just stopped doing it in podcasts and taking it elsewhere. Others have said, we just want to pay a whole lot less to run ads. And so in that reality, a lot of podcasts that were financially solvent five years ago aren't solvent today. Mm. Huh. And the hope is that they bounce back, but why would they bounce back? Yeah, it's just a money thing. Mm. And when you think of it as just a money thing, you don't get sad. Right, right. just keep making podcasts. Podcasts are good. We love podcasts. The money's over there. Fine. Mm -hmm. I have that all tattooed on this arm. (laughs) We love podcasts. Podcasts are good. This is Livewire from PRX. I'm Luke Burbank. We are talking to journalist and podcaster Sam Sanders. When we get back, Sam is going to tell us about an interview that he has been obsessed with for many years. Um, It's an interview that I also have a pretty high level of awareness of um, for reasons that will become clear after this very short break. Stay with us. Hey, Elena. Hey, Luke, I didn't see you there. It's that time of year again. My seasonal allergies are back. Oh, congratulations. But also, it's our spring member drive, which is happening right now through May 17th. Oh, I like that much more than seasonal allergies. Yeah, if you are not yet a member of Livewire's League of Extraordinary Listeners, well, now is the time to do it. Why? Well, because this League of Extraordinary Listeners... Uh, is what keeps the lights on over at Livewire Inc., uh, which is definitely not the 
association that we are part of. I'm probably a 501c3. They don't let me near any of the paperwork mm-hmm. or bookkeeping, and it's really better that way. Yes. Point is, we we are only able to keep doing this show because of support from our members, and we would love it if you could join us in that right now. Plus, there are all kinds of sweet perks, including uh, special discounted tickets to live recordings, on-air shout-outs, exclusive content. Uh, and, Elena, uh, one more thing that, of course, we would not be a self-respecting public radio show if we didn't offer this. If we didn't offer the most iconic public radio swag of all time, a tote bag. True iconic status. Yeah, but it's not just any tote bag. This is like a really good tote bag. It's got a second zipper, an internal zipper. Yes, whatever you want to put in the tote bag, that's your business, okay? What we're mm-hmm. here to talk about is you keeping LiveWire going. So head on over to LiveWireRadio.org to see the various member levels it does not matter how much you are giving every month to LiveWire. It just matters that you do it because it goes a long way for us. So thank you. Vacations, weddings, birthdays, and reunions. Oh, my. There's so much going on. Get the most out of your spring plans by stocking up on pre-alcohol now. Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. Just remember to make Zbiotics your first drink of the night, drink responsibly, and you'll feel your best tomorrow. Go to zbiotics.com/livewire to get 15% off your first order when you use livewire at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with 100% money back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com/livewire and use the code livewire at checkout for 15% off. Thank you to Zbiotics for sponsoring this episode and our good times. Welcome back to Livewire. I'm your host Luke Burbank here with my friend Elena Passarello. We are listening to a conversation we recorded with the journalist and podcaster Sam Sanders live at Town Hall in Seattle, Washington. Okay, before uh, we get back to this interview, I have to sort of set something up. Now, we're on stage, we're talking to Sam, and unbeknownst to me, uh, he was going to start talking about an interview that I had actually done way long ago, like back in 2007. I interviewed this Icelandic band called Sigurós. It was not a good interview. In fact, it's often been cited as one of the worst interviews in the history of music journalism. And kind of out of the blue, Sam decided to get this off of his chest. So that's kind of what is about to unfold here. Strap in. This is Sam Sanders, live from Seattle. I've been obsessed for 16 years with an interview you did on the Bryant Park Project at NPR. Okay. Uh, What was the interview? Oh, you know what the interview is. Uh, was it Five a, minutes and 19 seconds. Was it an interview with an Icelandic band yes. by any chance? Sigaros? Yes. How do we set this up? Uh, we're actually out of time. Uh, <laughs> no, no, really, no. I'm looking at the There's clock. A good seeing, yeah. There's a good ending. There's okay. a good ending. There's a good ending. So, okay. the Bryant Park Project is this new show that NPR wants to launch about 16 years ago. <laughs> and it's meant to be kind of maybe a spicier version of Morning Edition? I think that was what they were going for. Yeah. So, Luke <laughs> and Rachel Martin are hosting the show. They're great. We love them. Uh, they were doing video for the show before other shows were doing it. But one of the interviews 
um, that's on video that Luke did uh, is with this amazing Icelandic group called Sigur Rós. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were awful. Oh, no. They were pissy. They were quiet. They were sarcastic. They were zombies. And I wanted to punch them in the throat. The whole time, Luke stays committed to the bit. Yeah. The he bit does being, not stop. The bit being, I was very bad at interviewing. No, you and weren't. I was, well, they were bad at being interviewed. Well, let, yes. but let me, let me, um, we're just, I'm seeing we have a little more time now. Um, <laughs> Let me, uh, let me just say that I ran into them at a music festival backstage years later. I did. And I said, I don't know if you remember me, but they were like, were you the guy from New York? Yes. And by the way, their English is much better now. They were like, we were so sorry. We didn't know what we were doing. We were nervous. So we, wait, so they weren't being asked. No, no. I think it was legitimately a language barrier. They need to know that they're not coming off that way. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, Last tidbit on this. Okay. I promise. <laughs> um, every now and then I will teach radio to undergrads and graduate students. And every now and then in class, I teach you a video. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, listen. <laughs> um, every time I do it, they watch, we talk, et cetera, et cetera. And the last line of like the lecture is commit to the bit, <laughs> finish. Finish. Yeah. That's it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So thank you. You're very welcome. Great textbook. Journalism students of America. Um, okay, something that came up that you've been talking about is just what a year pop culturally this has been basically for women. Yeah. Obviously, the Barbie movie. Yeah. SZA with like eight trillion Grammy nominations. Nine, yeah, but I wish a trillion. She's great. Somewhere between nine and eight trillion. Yes. Um, can you? What What do you think is is sort of behind that culturally? What's going on that we're seeing a lot of women really celebrated in pop culture, maybe in a way that it wasn't happening previously, or not in the sustained way? I can't tell you what was behind it, but I can tell you what I hope comes next. Okay. Um, who in here? Boppenheimered. Barbenheimer, Bar- Barbenheimer, whatever we call it. Barbie and Oppenheimer, who did that? I've okay. barbed. I'm, I've yet to Heimer. Here's my thing with Oppenheimer. Great movie, but I don't go to a Christopher Nolan film for Aaron Sorkin dialogue. Hey. Oh, okay. <laughs> Still enjoyed it. Okay. Anywho, when we look at the year, the biggest things in pop culture mostly came from women. Beyonce and Taylor had the biggest tours. They also have the biggest movies. Um, SZA has the most award nominations. The list goes on and on and on. And so I've been saying on the show for a while, like this is the year that women ruled pop culture. Hooray, hooray, hooray. I want more, you know? But I think when I say I want more, I just don't want that. After Barbie came out, there were a few op-eds trying to analyze the film's success. What, what, what did it? Oh, was it Zaslav? Was it Margot Robbie? What, what was it? AMC. And a lot of folks were basically saying, well, the answer here, what needs to happen to keep this going is make more movies about toys. Oh, great. Make more movies about toys. Excellent. What about, and hear me out, make more movies about women? Yeah. What about it, right? Yeah. And while we're at it, and while we're at it, Chances are, as good as Barbie was, as big as Barbie was, 
the surest shot for an Oscar this year from that movie is Ken. Is Ken. Yeah. Ken. Is Ken. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mattel was run by a man. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, that should change too. And so, like, if we know that women excel at popular culture, why aren't they also in charge of it? Right. Yeah. Right. right. The other thing that I learned from, from listening to Vicek is, and I didn't, I didn't categorize it this way, but like the women are having such a great time. They have fun. And then you were talking about like Drake oh my God. and all these guys are running <laughs> right. these like yes. sullen, angry, you know, but all the women are like, yes. tour, like they're making more money than an Olympics, yes. having parties yes. all over the planet and, yeah. and celebrating, uh, you know, toys, yes, but like toys in these big, huge ways, yeah. which I think is, that's such an astute point because it's not just quality, it's, it's, it's vibe. Like, yeah. there's so much great vibes yeah. out there. I love rap. I've always loved rap. I cannot name right now an unhappy woman rapper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cardi B is having a great time. <laughs> she sure is. Megan Thee Stallion got shot in the foot. She's still having a great time. <laughs> yeah. And you look at the dudes... Drake is damn near incel. <laughs> yep. He's in a place. Yep. He's just like in his house playing online roulette yeah. for like $8 yeah. million dollars a spin and having his homie film it. It's a very it's weird really existence. Weird. Did you see the photo he did? This is not even a lie. Did you see the photo he did where after his tour where he begged women to throw bras on stage? Yeah. He had his staff collect them all, put them in one of his mansion rooms, and he took a selfie in front of them. Wow. Go heal yourself, Drake. Yeah. <laughs> We are talking to Sam Sanders. We're at Town Hall in Seattle. And Sam, uh, we would be uh, remiss being here in Seattle if we did not talk to you a little bit about a Vogue cover story uh, with photos featuring one Jeffrey Bezos and his uh, new fiance and some truly unhinged photos. What What do you make of that whole situation? I want everyone to pull out their phone right now. I'll give you permission. It's the only time at a public radio taping we'll ask you to get your phone out. I want you to Google image search Jeff Bezos Vogue. (laughs) Yes. The power of Christ compels you. We are in a former church. (laughs) Once you get it, make any kind of noise. That was very interactive. You've seen it. You've seen it. How do we describe this photo? The main image, Jeff Bezos roided the hell up. Yes. In in a vintage SUV with a cowboy hat. And his fiance, Lauren Sanchez, is straddling him in the driver's seat. What? Andy Leibovitz took the photo. Still don't understand that. And... It took me five minutes to realize it wasn't a farce. <laughs> you got it up there. I see it. Isn't it wild? <laughs> jail. <laughs> Straight to jail. Straight to jail. <laughs> so we talked about the photo, and then we talked about how the whole piece was just a fluff piece, which annoyed me, but whatever. But that photo, God. This guy's in charge of the world. I know. I know. He's and it- in tra- him and Elon are in charge of the world. I do think, yeah, I, I think it's a very complicated for Seattle because, uh, I, you know, I grew up in Seattle in the 80s and it was, it was a very different place. It was very blue collar. Then you have these things like Amazon come here and initially there's a sense of, well, this call is, it a thing. <laughs> a thing. <laughs> these, these businesses like Amazon and initially I think it was exciting because, you know, mm-hmm. this was new industry and business mm-hmm. and, and they were, you know, 
kind of these young upstarts, and then who could have known that it would lead to the guy trying to colonize space yeah. and sex the lady from Entertainment Tonight? <laughs> it's not how any of us saw it ending, or maybe some of you did. I sure yeah. didn't. Every time I see or hear anything about Jeff Bezos, which is always against my will, <laughs> um, the first words I say in that moment are, Mackenzie, you got out. Yeah. <laughs> you got out. <laughs> good for you. This is ex-wife. Yeah. You're, and by the she way, got out. you're in the right room for a good Mackenzie <laughs> Bezos <laughs> reference because these people all know being from Seattle. Yeah. Um, Sam, great. let me just remind everybody, this is Livewire from PRX. We are at Town Hall in Seattle this week. We are talking to the great Sam Sanders. Um, okay. I am... When I listen to any of the stuff that you work on, but particularly Vibe Check, I, I'm really struck by the breadth of your pop culture knowledge, but I will admit to being somewhat lost. And since you do know so much about it, I was hoping you could give us, really, Elena and I, the folks here at Town Hall and the radio listeners, a bit of a sort of a, a guide map for pop culture. Like, help us understand how to feel about some of the stuff going on in pop culture and a little exercise we're calling Pop Culture Primer. So I just wanted to run some things by you and get your professional pop culture knower, Sam Sanders, opinion or reaction on these things. Would you be comfortable doing that? Let's do it. <laughs> Barbara Streisand's new memoir is 992 pages. Of course. Is that too long, too short, or the exact right number of pages? Barbara makes no mistakes. That's the okay. exact one that should be. Okay. <laughs> No right. mistakes. Did you know that the audiobook is 48 hours long? Did yeah. she read it? <laughs> yes. She does. She, she reads, reads it. it. And I bet it took her 48 years to record it. <laughs> yeah. Because she's a perfectionist. <laughs> um, who is your favorite Nepo baby? And does this audience understand the concept of Nepo baby? This has become a thing lately where uh, the internet loves to figure out which uh, successful artists or performers oh. Oh. are oh. the children oh. of somebody who's a successful artist or performer, so-called Nepo baby. I don't care how crazy she gets. Hmm. I don't care what she's selling. I will always want to have a drink with Gwyneth Paltrow. Hey. Uh, <laughs> my kind of crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. My kind of crazy. You know Gwyneth Paltrow always... On a night out, she's always the first person to suggest the second location. Oh, <laughs> And the third. And the third. <laughs> Love her. And she is a Nepo baby. Uh, after the success of the movie Cocaine Bear. I talked to the director on that one. <laughs> so you know a lot about this. What animal would you like to see battle substance use disorder next. We had a whole, we had a whole list when I talked to him of other animals to try it with. Okay. And we were going for some kind of alliteration. Um, but I always love a good duck-billed platypus. Uh -huh. Why did I just say that? I've never seen one in person. Um, so the duck-billed platypus okay. is on... Like ketamine? Xanax. Okay. Xanax. Life is hard. <laughs> sure. Like he, the duck-billed platypus goes through so much. Everyone's always pointing out how he's the duck-billed platypus yeah. and yeah. special and it's weird. It's a lot. Give him a Xanax. Let him exist. Thought exercise, though. Okay. If it's a duck-billed platypus who is on Xanax, who voices the duck-billed platypus? John Ooh. C. Riley. <laughs> um, 
I don't know why. Steve but, Buscemi. Oh, that could be good uh, too. Yeah. Cardi B. Yeah. Right. Let's take a vote. Yeah. Cardi B, the the Xanax snorting duckbill platypus. <laughs> it's like a Pixar dream yeah. waiting to happen. If she weren't a rapper, she could be the biggest comic alive. Yes. She's so funny. Very naturally so funny. funny. Anywho. All right. Speaking of people who are naturally funny and returning to something you previously said, Sam, mm-hmm. would you go see the new musical? And this is a real thing. It's a real musical based on the Gwyneth Paltrow <gasps> ski crash trial. <laughs> it's a, it exists. Shut the up. Nope. <laughs> nope. No. It, 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 it absolutely exists. Who produced it? Who's directing it? Who's the star? I, I've just seen the... Google like, it I've now. Seen the, somebody, somebody look it up. Shut the hell up. Yes. So that sounds like a yes. It's, it's, I'm, I'm working. It's Steve Buscemi. It's directed, <laughs> written and directed by Steve Buscemi. You're exactly right, Elena. There's a... Is it A24? <laughs> it's A24. It's directed by the Safdie brothers. Yes, yes. Yes, that's right. Oh, my God. Well, that's... This is my favorite interview of all time ever. Thank you. <laughs> Even better than Sigur yes. Sam Sanders, everyone, from Vibe Check. Sam, thank you. That was Sam Sanders right here on Livewire. Make sure to check out his wonderful podcast, Vibe Check, wherever you get those sorts of things. Hey, special thanks this episode to the memory of Ron Eaches of Salem, Oregon. Ron was part of the Livewire member community and was generously supporting our show with a donation each month, uh, which was so instrumental in helping us keep the show going. So thank you so much to Ron for all the support and all of you out there keeping Livewire in business. Thank you. This is Livewire. As we like to do each week, we've asked our listeners a question because Sam is so steeped in pop culture. We asked our listeners, what has been your favorite piece of pop culture from the past year? Elena has been collecting up those responses. What do you see in this has been very helpful for me because I'm writing a book about a person who died in 1977. So I have been living in the past. I don't know any of these pop culture memes. So you're going to have to help explain a few of these to me. I don't want to overpromise, but I will say for a 47-year-old person, I have more pop culture awareness than I really should. It's called low-level depression and scrolling TikTok all day. So let me see what I can do. Can you explain to me Cam's favorite pop culture moment, which is Scandaval? Oh, sure. Of course. Okay. That's from Vanderpump Rules. That would be the, the, the scandal involving a couple of the characters on Vanderpump Rules, including Tom Sandoval, who uh, did some very questionable things, depending on your kind of your sort of moral take on the world. And what is Vanderpump Rules, Mr. Burbank? Vanderpump Rules is about a restaurant that is owned by someone who used to be on The Real Housewives. <laughs> and this person was so uh, entertaining, Ms. Vanderpump. That uh, that then they got a restaurant and uh, or maybe a couple of restaurants. And now there's a whole show about the people that work at the restaurant, although mostly what they do, I think, is our characters on a reality show. Right. It's just like they drink and make out and have scandals. They, they have scandal vols. <laughs> scandal vol. <laughs> yeah. Precisely. Yeah. It's a Vanderpump Rules situation. OK, so uh, let's see. Next one. Now, here's one from Sal. Sal's favorite pop culture moment is the word of the year being Riz. What is Riz? 
You've got the riz, Elena, even if you don't realize it. What? So is it low-level anxiety? It, it is, but in you, it manifests in a very, very charismatic personality. When you have the riz, you have that charisma. And when you're using it on people, you're rizzing them up. Oh, okay. So it's a verb now. Like, I'm charizzing you. You have that riz, Elena. And if you're really good at it, we might even call you the rizzler. <laughs> That's a real thing. People are like, okay, that person has the most riz. We're going to, they're the rizzler of this get together. Holy vocabulary, Batman. That definitely does sound like a character that would show up on the old school, like Adam West version of Batman. <laughs> uh, something else from pop culture this year that one of our listeners is excited about. This one I know because I am an avowed Rihanna fan. The a this is from Sandra, the ASL interpreter at the Super Bowl halftime show. And it really says something that the, the person who is doing the sign interpretation has so much riz that she is stealing a little bit of Queen Riri's thunder. I, I think there's enough thunder to go around. And I love this development that a lot of folks who are doing, you know, who are interpreting with ASL at a variety of shows now, particularly when the music is really like upbeat and stuff, you know, the way that they're expressing that to the folks that are using that kind of modality, it really is like a whole extra sort of great part of the entire experience, even if you're somebody who, you know, doesn't need to rely on ASL. Like, it just seems like it includes more people in the experience. Yeah, and I never pass up a chance to watch one of those videos when they capture a totally compelling interpreter. Like, it's it's always so fun to see. Hey, thank you to everyone who sent in a response to our listener question. We've got one for next week's show coming up in a moment. In the meantime, I want to tell you about our next guest. And Elena, I think you probably remember the circumstances under which we got Reggie Watts on the show. Okay, he is a one-of-a-kind comedian, musician, and performer. Um, you might know him from his time as the band leader and announcer for The Late Late Show with James Corden. He's got Netflix specials. Uh, he was on the TV show Comedy Bang Bang. This is the other thing, though. Reggie is always up for a good hang, which is basically exactly what happened when you and I were getting together in Portland to do our yearly fundraiser gala, Fancy Pants. And like somebody just heard that Reggie was in town and invited him over and then Reggie just showed up. <laughs> I was like, hey, y'all doing something? Yeah, I showed up in my fancy duds and he was and everyone was like, Reggie Watts coming. <laughs> I'm like, wow. It was like incredible and unexpected. So he jumped up on stage and we're just gonna play this. He did some jokes about generational differences, which then kind of morphed into like a spoken word poem where the Livewire house band just started kind of providing the backing track. It was very funny and weird, which is how I would describe Reggie Watts's work. And I say that with all love. Um, so thank you, Reggie, for crashing our little get together and making this next piece of Livewire that we're all going to hear. Check it out. This is Reggie Watts recorded at Show Bar in Portland, Oregon. Well, all right. If we got any Genzers in the uh, in the audience, I wanna I wanna I wanna talk about do some jokes for for you guys because a lot of times Gen Z gets left out and you know Alpha's coming up behind them and they're getting a little bit more heat than than the Zs. So um, and Mel's you know Mel's are Mel's are here right? They're like on the up. So and I'm an Xer you know which is you know arguably it's no big deal. I mean X is not really. It's a small generation. You know, as we know, it's the smallest current uh, living generation right now. And it's not a big deal. I mean, we didn't really do that much, you know, for society. We invented skateboarding and uh, BMXing and 
ramp tricks and uh, music videos and uh, synthesis that was uh, used in music and a lot of firsts like effects that were never invented until the you know the 80s and so forth and um, the whole culture of hi-fi stereo uh, listening, uh, just a lot of the things that we still refer to every day um, that we use all the time. Um, uh, Generation X invented whatever. Uh, we were the first generation to use whatever properly. Uh, uh, we got prizes in cereals. Uh, we were latchkey kids. Um, we had multiple formats. We had records and cassettes. So that was a, that was a big one. 8-Track was trying to hang on, but, you know, didn't quite make it. You know, we did everything we could. We did everything we could. So we're not that, it's not that special. Um, but Gen Z, on the other hand, though, um, what, what's up with the Gen Zs, the Gen Zers? What are they doing? Okay, so here's some, here's some jokes. Hey. You guys know how like mid stuff is like it's so mid like that's like mid plus. Have you ever like mid mid plus me? But anyway, so I was like TikToking. There was a TikTok and then I mitted. I mid. I have to admit that I was like hyper mid. But anyways, but Joseph did like a 460 and I was like, no 460s here, nah, bra. We ain't be doing that. True dad, you know, tap that ass, a dad ass. How we, you know, how we do this. Um, uh, you know, you. Uh, what's up with Michael Landon? You know, you know, like like. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. And Gen Z is like so fascinated with Michael Landon, which I don't really, I don't get it. But, you know, there's a, there's a certain, I guess there's a certain kind of, it's kind of cool to just pick a random, you know, person um, to just fixate on and be like, no one's going to understand why. Um, but it's all like Michael Landon all day long. Um, really cool. Uh, but yeah, you know, Gen Z's got a lot going on. Gen Alpha, I'm interested. I'm interested. I want to get involved. I want to see what's going on with Alpha. You know, what's going on with Alpha right now? What Alpha's, you know, on the up? Gen Z's like, oh shit! I thought we were the the cats. You know, it's like now Alpha's coming up. So I wrote a poem. This is about it's, it's about intergenerational data exchange, right? You need the wisdom of X, you know, which is like, do all the drugs. Um, I, I don't care about most things, uh, and, you know. But then you get like the millennial like. Well, uh, 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 you know, whatever that is. And then, uh, uh, hey, you know, like, you know how millennials are, it's like, uh, hey, <laughs> hello, uh, you know, and Gen Z. And so, so I wrote a poem, uh, this is about intergenerational, um, just the intergenerational uh, possibilities of, of, of the future. Actually, could you guys do like a, like a little, like, kind of like a, just a, a, a kind of quiet, like jazz kind of, it's like a, yeah, exactly, yeah, a little 1960s kind of vibes. Yeah, all right, cool. <laughs> Did not you know how it was so many years ago? You was the only one. You was the newness coming up from the ground with a whole wellspring of ideas, pushing against them oldest pushing against him say not unto you that it was not your time to be so rebellious that you pushed away all the people that was trying to help you nah it was cigarettes and booze 
and bongs made out of apples. Yeah, sure. School, cool stuff. Not for me. I was always trying to cut the corners, AP classes, what have you, throw that away, because that's cool. Yeah, sure, Mrs. McGillicuddy, she wasn't someone special. She wasn't someone to get mad at, but still found a way to get mad at her, and I was pretty proud of that, because she was very well liked. <laughs> but I learned so much, you know, being who I am, getting older, other gens coming up. Hey, Jen, what's going on? Yo, we Melly Mel. Who's Melly Mel? What do we do? I don't know. Do you know how to change a tire? No clue. <laughs> I want to join a tech company so I can play ping pong and lay about in beanbag chairs. Because that's productivity, baby. Web 2.5, coming at you hard. Vimeo, 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 Vimeo. Tumblr, Tumblr, Tumblr. You who? YouTube. Oh, hype machine. Hype machine. Wait a minute. There's not as many jobs? Wait a minute. I can't buy a house? I'll never be able to buy a house? I still don't know how to change the tire? Ah, oh, man. SSRIs. 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 Adderall. Holy shit. Ridlin? Ha. Changed my life. Hey, guys. Who are you? Hey, Gen Z. Oh, what's going on with you guys? I don't know. You know, we're humans, and uh, we assume uh, we assume nothing. We are beings, and you will refer to us as the beings that we are. For we are not to be withheld or forgotten. Why am I speaking like this? I don't know. <laughs> we're all in it together, you know. We can try to say we ain't, but we is. And here's the, here's the, here's the kicker. If you ain't not part of what that is, and you try to be that thing that's not a part of it, you can't escape it, so you're just gonna bury it. And where are you gonna bury it? You can't bury it anywhere, because there's no place in the hard drive to hide it. Why is that? Because the hard drive is the same amount of memory. No matter how you allocate it and divide it, it's still the same amount of memory. The more you divide it, the more it turns to mush. Then you don't know what it is anymore. Existential crisis? Ah, that's just the beginning of it. Anyhoozle, it's fun to be a part of everybody that's doing what they're doing. You know, it reminds me of a time that, thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Bam. Thank you. Thank you. That was Reggie Watts right here on Livewire, his new memoir, Great Falls, Montana. Fast Times, Post-Punk Weirdos, and A Tale of Coming Home Again is out now. I'm Luke Burbank, here with Elena Passarella. We have to take a very quick break, but don't go anywhere. When we come back, we are going to hear some music from indie folk rock duo Sway Wild. Stay with us.
Livewire is thrilled to be partnering with Portland's own Portal Tea this season. Formerly known as Tea Chai Tay, Portal Tea is the premier tea company in the Pacific Northwest. They make one-of-a-kind handcrafted tea blends like cinnamon churro chai and blueberry cream Earl Grey. Use the code LIVEWIRE, all lowercase, for 20% off at portaltea.co. Welcome back to LiveWire from PRX. I am Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello. Okay, before we get to our musical guest this week, a little preview of what we're doing on next week's show. We're going to be talking to the writer and director Laura Chin about her really, really fascinating and funny memoir. It's called Acne. Talks about her life growing up in Florida. She was part of the Church of Scientology. She also had very oily skin. Um, And uh, she had to sort of figure out how to navigate her way through the world of entertainment while dealing with that. Plus, we've got some stand-up comedy from one of our very favorites, Mohanad Elsheki, who's going to tell us about the most embarrassing Uber ride ever, featuring him as the passenger. And to round things out, we're going to hear some really beautiful music from Jenny Conley, who's one of the founding members of the Decemberists off of her solo album. You do not want to miss this, so definitely tune in. Plus, we're going to be looking to get your response to our listener question. Elena, what are we asking the listeners for next week's show? We want to know what is something that took up a ton of brain space when you were a teenager that you no longer think about at all. (laughs) I've got some responses that come to mind. Maybe we'll share those next week. If you have a thought on that, something that you thought about a lot as a teenager that you just don't think about very much anymore, go ahead and hit us up on the various social media places. Uh, We are at Livewire Radio pretty much everywhere. All right, let's get to our musical guest this week. They spent seven years playing music out on the road, and then finally, they decided to take to the sea. Dave McGraw and Mandy Fair embarked on a two-month sailing voyage through the remote anchorages of British Columbia. That trip led to an artistic epiphany of sorts, and when they returned to their San Juan Island home in Washington State, they formed a new musical project that we're going to get to hear right now. This is Sway Wild, recorded live at Town Hall in Seattle. Can you tell me a little bit about this sailing trip that you went on in British Columbia? When Why was it so, like, artistically life-changing for you? Yeah, the boat trip was kind of an intentional respite from the road because when we're on the road, it's a lot of grind and interstate mm. and making it from place to place. And we intentionally were like, let's step away from the road mm. and see what it's like to be a human again out in the middle of nowhere. And we're really drawn to kind of those wild places, hence our name, Sway Wild. Um, it kind of inspires and illuminates our music. And um, San Juan Island is remote, but it wasn't remote enough for yeah. us. So... <laughs> And I wanted to say, too, um, we used to live on a horse farm in the middle of the woods in a 400-square-foot cabin, Dave and I, and we didn't have internet or cell service, and we used to do this thing called listening to the radio. Um, Oh, wow. I know. And we had a a big radio that had an antenna that was the size of a hula hoop um, hanging on the wall. It was a metal hula hoop. But we used to listen to this program called Live Wire. So we're really, really, really happy. Look at that. Well, uh, it's this is synchronicity then, that it's finally yes. all happening. Uh, it was really hard getting a hold of you guys in the woods. <laughs> we had two staffers that we haven't seen since they went to find you, so thank you for coming. What song are we going to hear? We're going to play a song called Home. 
Okay, this is Sway Wild on Livewire. Thank you. We were young, lighting a fire under what we wanted. Set a blaze through the hills. We were running from a place we called home. The road was long, but burning embers kept you on it. Even when the rain fell, rain fell down. But after a while, the geese fly by and you find yourself under them. Not here, not there, nothing or here. No, you home, 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 Through the sand, a white flag in her hand With a boy too wise for his ears He'd been choking on the tears he cried for Home, home No concrete floor No key to lock, no door No door for no key Just a blanket underfoot and she is here on Livewire, recorded at Town Hall in Seattle. You can check them out at swaywild.com. 
That is going to do it for this week's episode of Livewire. Big thanks to our guests, Sam Sanders, Reggie Watts, and Sway Wild. Plus, a special shout-out this week to Sally McPherson from Broadway Books. Happy retirement, Sally. Laura Haddon is our executive producer. Heather D. Michelle is our executive director. And our producer and editor is Melanie Sepchenko. Eben Hoffer and Molly Pettit are our technical directors. And our house sound is by D. Neil Blake. Trey Hester is our assistant editor. Our marketing and production manager is Karen Pan. Rosa Garcia is our operations associate. Jackie Ibarra is our production fellow. And Aunt Diaz is our intern. Our house band is Ethan Fox Tucker, Sam Tucker, A.L. Alves, and A. Walker Spring, who also composes our music. This episode was mixed by Molly Pettit and Trey Hester. Additional funding provided by the James F. and Marianelle Miller Foundation. Livewire was created by Robin Tenenbaum and Kate Sokoloff. This week, we would like to remember member Ron Eaches of Salem, Oregon. For more information about Livewire, how you can listen to our podcast, head on over to livewireradio.org. I'm Luke Burbank for Elena Passarello and the whole Livewire team. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Wouldn't it be amazing to have a piping hot episode of Livewire delivered right to your heart and ears each week? Well, guess what? That can happen when you subscribe to the Livewire podcast feed and you'll get the joy of surprising conversation every week. So go ahead and do it. It's super easy. You click on the button at the top of your podcast app and bam, you are Livewire subscribed. And if you're still, you know, feeling the love, if you're enjoying the show, hey, maybe you could hook us up and uh, leave us a quick review. That'll help more people find out about Livewire. And thank you.